The show is here. Yo, our mission is clear. It's time to change healthcare. Have no fear. Today is the day. This is the hour. Together, you know we've got the power. Drop the silos. We're all the same team. Patients, docs, nurses, tech, and marketing. How can anyone be satisfied with the way things have always been? Yeah, we've tried. So join us now. Join the revolution. Digital health is the evolution. Status quo, more like status, no. Yeah, this is the healthcare rap. Y'all, come on, let's go. New choices, new platforms, new care models. In the healthcare of tomorrow, consumers win. But who will design it? What will it look like? And how long will it take? We're here to answer those questions with some provocative thinking about how to create the healthcare that people actually want. Ready to roll up your sleeves, look at the world a little differently, and explore the frontiers of consumer health together? Join us. This is the Healthcare Wrap. Welcome back. I'm Jared Johnson, ready to share some more provocative thinking about building the healthcare of tomorrow. If you're just now joining us, we hope you'll follow us and check out our previous episodes, all 200 of them. We're in season seven now, where we're writing the consumer health playbook and answering three important questions. Who will design it? What will it look like? And how long will it take? Let us know what you think about this episode and what topics you're dying to hear about in future episodes by reaching out on LinkedIn or Twitter at Healthcare Wrap. So here's what's going to go down today. We have the flavor of the week about copycat strategies. Should we be rooting for Amazon to win in the four pillar areas that they just defined? And will health systems follow their lead like usual? I'll talk about that. Then Lee AC is in the house to share some provocative thinking about what led him to unretire and open a direct primary care clinic after a notable career with the Mayo Clinic leading the hospital's social media revolution. He'll dive deep into what's drawing him to this new form of primary care, how he's using his communications skills to engage consumers in their health, how it differs from traditional care at legacy institutions, and why he considers personalized, membership-based, whole-person health to be the next revolution. It's time to dive right in. Are you ready? Let's go. Flavor of the Week. Can disruptors just hurry up and figure out the new business models of healthcare so everyone else can copy them? I had a recent conversation with a colleague that got me thinking. Their comment was that the culture of many health systems is not to be innovative, but rather to copy the innovation of others. They felt that many hospitals and provider organizations are waiting for someone else, whether it's retailers or national pay providers, big tech or consumer brands, to figure out a profitable path to reach the new healthcare consumer. So they can then come in and do their health system thing, copying and operationalizing those models at scale within their own walls. So our feeling together was that the faster that new players can prove their new business models to be successful, the faster that established health systems can follow behind them, copy them, and get us all to a better place. So until that point when they get serious about actually implementing consumer transformation, we might be frustrated with their lack of urgency and the overall lack of progress. That just gives me one more reason to root for the disruptors, which makes me feel like I need to share my disclaimer again, namely that healthcare still for many people is too hard, too scary, and too expensive to engage in. So a lot of people avoid care. And until that improves substantially. There's a lot of work to be done. So yes, we need change. And yes, I'm rooting for whoever can make that change happen. If that's a health system, great. If that's Walgreens or Best Buy or Dollar General, I'm on board. Or hey, maybe it'll be Amazon. Last week, Eugene Kim published a piece in Business Insider stating that Amazon's healthcare team will primarily focus on four core areas moving forward as its new leader looks to establish the future direction of their healthcare business. In an email to the team reviewed by Business Insider, Amazon's Senior Vice President of Health and Brand, Neil Lindsay, laid out the four key pillars of the company 
company's healthcare business. So where will Amazon be focusing its healthcare energy? The memo reportedly listed four pillars. Amazon Care, their primary care offering, which is now available in all 50 states. Amazon Pharmacy, their online pharmacy arm, which is also available in all 50 states. Partner Services, which is their team focused on determining what other offerings they might need to make available, often with and through partners, to make it easier for customers to find what they need to get and stay healthy. And finally, Storefront and Shared Tech. This is the team that will build the technology to make it easier for customers to find, buy, and engage with the healthcare services and products that they need. Ann Summers-Hogg, Senior Research Fellow at the Clayton Christensen Institute, responded to the article and said that it looks like Amazon is yet again organizing around the customer's jobs to be done. Number one, offer convenient, simple, accessible, and affordable solutions so people can address acute illnesses and get back to their lives. And two, meet them in the flow of life to stay or get healthy. So back to Neil Lindsay in that memo. He said that while it's still early days, if I could characterize our mission in a few words, it would be simply to make it easier to do the things that really should be easy, which is basically the same idea behind Amazon's customer obsession. Now, I think it's unquestionable that consumers ultimately win when big bets are made by big players. And one thing's for sure, we'll see more mistakes and missteps, but we'll also see a path forward. It's important to remember that the speed at which we build a consumer-first healthcare experience is just as important as what it looks like. It gives consumers better choices at an earlier stage, and it gives health systems a chance to implement those copycat strategies. However it happens, and whoever makes it happen, we need to keep the pedal to the metal so that consumer-first health gets here sooner. That's another way that we'll build the healthcare of tomorrow. And that's the flavor of the week. The flow, the flow, the flow. All right, let's get into the flow here. Give it up for Lee AC. Lee's in the house. He's here to share some provocative thinking about some new forms of patient care. Uh, we're really excited to do this. Uh, Lee's the founder of Healthcare LLC. He's the administrator of a clinic called Healthcare Clinic in Austin, Minnesota. We're going to talk about what that means, what healthcare is all about. But most of you will know Lee as in his former part of his career, where he was the former communications director for social and digital innovation at the Mayo Clinic. He's a pioneer in this area. So many of you know him and, and how he's been able to help healthcare organizations really engage in a different way. I think it's very fair to say, Lee, we're going to talk about how healthcare is designing a better experience for consumers, what appeals to patients about the type of care that the clinic is providing and how you got involved. So uh, first and foremost, welcome to the Healthcare App. Thanks, Jared. It's a delight to be with you, and I'll, I look forward to this conversation. should be great. Yes, I made careful note to kind of make that distinction about being the founder of the LLC and the administrator of the clinic. So what else did I miss in your bio? Do you want to dive into that a little bit? Like, like why would we need to make that distinction? Sure. So I retired from Mayo Clinic in August of uh, this last year to pursue this, to found Healthcare LLC, which is a management services organization uh, that's providing the management for this new clinic, this new direct primary care clinic that we have in Austin, Minnesota called Healthcare Clinic. So I did the branding work and I'm providing the management services for it. Uh, Healthcare Clinic itself is owned by Dr. Dave Strobel, who's a high school classmate of mine. We're both from the Austin High School class of 1981. And we've been friends for a very long time. And it was a couple of years ago that we had a discussion where he was telling me about a clinic that he was working in that he still is working part-time in, owned by the Pipe Trades 
in the in the twin city, the greater twin cities area where he had a really great delivery model where he's on salary with them but you know had an unhurried approach you know hour per patient kind of uh, approach and as I was having coffee with him back in October of 2019, I said, wow, wouldn't that be great if we could have something like that in Austin, which is our hometown, which where we both live. And I said, I know, I'll go back to school and get my MBA so that I can run this thing. And so that's why we have a corporate practice of medicine doctrine in Minnesota that says a non-physician can't own a clinic. And so the way we have it set up is that Dave Strobel, Dr. Dave Strobel owns the clinic. We have a contract where healthcare provides the management services for this clinic. His clinic is doing business as healthcare clinic, but I, my majority owned LLC does the management and owns the branding and the name. And so that sets us up for the future is that if this is as successful as we hope it'll be, uh, and if other physicians are interested in something like this in the future, that perhaps healthcare could provide management services for them to be able to open a clinic, you know, in their communities. So the real question is then whose retirement was shorter, yours or Tom Brady's? <laughs> well, Tom Brady's is shorter, but it was very much, I mean, when I said I was announced, when I said I was retiring, I said I was retiring to pursue a third career. And then this is that third career. So I worked for 16 years in politics and government. I worked for 21 years at Mayo Clinic. Lord willing, I hope my next career is longer, you know, than the others, because uh, that'd be good because it'd mean I'd live to be, you know, 80 plus anyway, <laughs> or, you know, 80-ish and working till then. Because the other side part of this is that my wife, Lisa, and I have both been on a metabolic health journey for the last three, four years, we each lost more than 50 pounds, kept it off, feel better than we did 20 years ago. And so I actually feel like I could work for another 20 years. And with something that's as exciting as this is to me, I feel like, you know, totally energized to be able to do it. So yeah, a little, uh, not my retirement. I had about two months where I was playing a lot of golf and just as we were kind of, my daughter was, who lives in Bulgaria, was back in the in the country for a little while in August as well, August, early September. But yeah, it's uh, shortly thereafter, you know, getting into October, November, December, we were very actively pursuing this and we opened February 1st. Very cool. Well, we're rooting for you, Lee. We really are for this thing to last a long time. So why don't we uh, dive into this thing? I'm always curious what gets people out of bed in the morning. Is is there something that regularly gets you out of bed every morning? This can be as literal or as figurative as you want. Well, something that has gotten me up in, in the morning and we'll start to do it again in the very near future is that I like to play golf and I like to do it. I discovered during the pandemic that if I started golfing at the local course here because I was teleworking, I could start a round of golf at 6 a.m., be done by 7.45 and be back at my desk ready to work. So I could get 18 holes of golf in before eight o'clock. Not something that obviously all year round gets me up in the morning, but we're getting to the point where the course just opened last week and there will be uh, quite a few days that I'll be doing that. I love it. So by 8 a.m., that is quite a feat. It is. Yeah, it's actually, I mean, the, the great thing at that point was, you know, we're social distancing. And if you get out there first in the morning, you know, right at the daybreak, because things, you know, gets lighter up here in the northern zones earlier, you know, we have the the very long days. And so being able to, like, I could start at 545 and be done by, by 730. When I discovered that, it was like, wow, this is really cool, because I'm not spending any time waiting 
for people in front of me. And so let's not let the, the good thing is that probably there isn't a huge listenership in this, for this podcast in my particular neck of the woods, like in sort of rural Southern Minnesota, not that there aren't a huge, there's a good audience and everything, but you know, I just don't want to get the word out too much that uh, I don't want to get too much uh, competition for that early tea time. Love it. That's a new answer. Well, let's dive into healthcare itself, Lee. And what really attracted me to the story, quite frankly, was the thought of you with your background pursuing this, like you said, kind of this third career. I'd love to hear just your story and and what drew you to this type of clinic. And so maybe in the process, we can start with a layperson's explanation of what healthcare does and my understanding, it's a type of direct primary care. Let's start with that. Just the basic explanation of what the clinic is and, and how they operate, like what their model is. Sure. Uh, so healthcare clinic uh, provides unlimited, unhurried direct primary care for an affordable membership. And that's either a monthly membership or an annual membership. And so instead of a fee for service, you know, pay per, per visit kind of approach, it's essentially saying, you know, you're paying membership dues that has a defined package of services. Um, and in our case, the clinic is the idea is that you get an unhurried visit. An hour is the standard appointment length. And so there's time to really dig into underlying causes of, and, and what are your real concerns and, and actually really having a doctor who knows you and who you know and having that, uh, that stability. So Dr. Dave Strobel, our, our founder of the clinic, again, my high school classmate, practiced medicine here in Austin for 19 years before he then went off to you know some other work. And most recently, he's been working with the Pipe Trades Clinic. And as I mentioned, it was two and a half years ago that I had coffee with him and he told me about this model. And I said, we should do that. Doctors themselves usually aren't necessarily the most business-minded. It makes them better doctors probably to be focusing on, you know, the patient and providing the best care. And so my whole mission with this is to help provide a framework where he can be able to just do that good health care, that good unhurried health care that's a little bit unique maybe in our particular flavor of direct primary care is that we're including 45 of the most commonly needed blood diagnostic blood tests at no charge because uh, those are billed directly to healthcare, you know, to pay for those. And so that way we're able to get lower prices for it. So it makes it, you know, we're just doing everything we can to make it really affordable and also a comfortable, you know, kind of approach. The metaphor that I like to use for this is what's Norman Rockwell meets the Jetsons, that it's like the small town friendly doctor who knows you kind of thing that you see in the Norman Rockwell paintings, but also the Jetsons. You know, we use technology. We want to use technology for to make it more convenient for patients and more accessible for them and more appealing to them. And not using technology as a barrier to say, okay, tell a 90-year-old, my 90-year-old, 91-year-old dad that if he wants to get his results, he needs to go to the patient portal, you know, that needs to get his lab results, that being able to have conversations using technology as a facilitator and not as an obstacle. Let's double click on that a little bit. That thought of still having human interaction being an essential part of the healthcare experience, it sounds like, and using technology as an enabler rather than something that's replacing that relationship. So even with something as simple as what you're just talking about, labs and blood work, that is definitely something that I've had that occasion happen where 
the doctor ordered a couple of tests and you know, there was nothing involved with pricing. When they do that, you're in the middle of an exam and they're like, Oh, let's run this order for these couple of tests. Okay, cool. And then you get the bill months mm-hmm. later and you're like, well, where did that come from? You don't even remember yeah. doing it. And you didn't even see the full results of that lab. All you got was, well, yeah, you're in the, you're in the normal range. So we're okay. And not even like what that could have meant just the, I mean, I've had that exact thing happen in my life before. So I can only imagine, let alone you start adding on the, the costs and how much that can provide a better experience. Like talk me through that. Like, why is that such a, why is that so important for the experience? Yeah. Well, so, I mean, we don't want the cost to be an obstacle. Healthcare doesn't have to be as expensive as it is. Just as an example, my wife had, my wife Lisa had three blood tests, blood draw, three, three tests, back in under my former, you know, Mayo Clinic employee insurance, which has a, you know, decent sized deductible, but those three tests were $504. Okay. And it was all out of pocket for us. And it was all our responsibility. And the reality is that the tests don't have to be that expensive. And by the fact that we're able to use a group purchasing approach, we're able to, and through the direct billing, it takes more of the administrative hassle out of it. The other fact is that we just don't take insurance. So we don't take government payments or insurance. And so we don't need to have three people like me hassling with the insurance companies to get reimbursed for things. We're not doing extra documentation that doesn't really add to care, but is more intended for the billing and utilization rates. Because, uh, well, just one example that I'll share, my partner and my colleague in this, the owner of the clinic for whom I'm providing management services, you know, had a, a practice where he told when he had patients would come in with triglycerides at 500, you know, which is about three times the level that you'd like them to be, probably five times the level you'd like them to be, but below 150 is the target, you know, that you're, you're shooting for. And you tell them, okay, well, here's what I want you to do. I want you to have coffee make a keto coffee, you know, where you put in some collagen, MCT oil, or maybe butter or, or heavy whipping cream, just have that for breakfast. And then don't eat the rest of the day till you're, till you feel hungry. And then when you notice that you're starting to not feel as hungry, just generally anymore, give me a call and we'll rerun your, your lipid panel. And what we, what he would see typically is in within five or six days, they're calling him and saying, okay, I'm ready to do that. I'm feeling less hungry. And he would rerun the lipid panel and it showed triglycerides are at a hundred, you know, so they haven't lost half a pound yet. And yet they're making a huge difference in their metabolic health and in, and their risk factors for heart disease and other things like that. So the problem was, this was back when he was working in the traditional system, he would get audited by the insurance companies saying, how come you're running that lipid panel again? You just ran it a week ago. Well, if you can radically reduce the price of the lipid panel, then it isn't a barrier and it actually is providing benefit. Like you were talking about in your test that you didn't even know what the test was about and you didn't even know what the result was. When you're able to hear a week later, yeah, you lowered your triglycerides by 80% in a week and made a difference in your health, then that's a motivating factor to help the patients make those kind of lifestyle changes. Stay tuned for more provocative thinking after the break. (laughs) 
Hey, listen up, y'all. Did you know that nearly 60% of people wish their healthcare provider sent them more relevant health information? And 42% would even consider switching to a different provider that sent them more, according to a recent survey of patients in the U.S. The vast majority of them would prefer to get that information via email or text. Persado is a natural language AI company that provides healthcare organizations with pre-developed, pre-optimized messaging journeys proven to build digital relationships, improve health goals, and increase patient retention. Deliver better health outcomes and revenue growth with Persado's data-driven content that inspires action. Visit persado.com to learn more. That's persado, P-E-R-S-A-D-O.com to find out how Persado can help. Justin Knott here with the Patient Convert Podcast, your weekly dose of healthcare marketing growth strategies, co-hosted by Justin and Kelly Knott. This is perfect for physicians, practice owners, healthcare entrepreneurs, and healthcare executives. We are breaking down what practices and healthcare organizations should be doing to grow, reach, and retain patients. There's so much confusion and so many options out there around what you should be focusing on to grow your practice, and we're breaking down each week what really works. We're bringing real-world application, case studies, and interviews from leading growth-minded physicians and healthcare executives. So catch us weekly on your favorite listening platforms, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google. Okay, back to the flow. That's a perfect example here because I feel like it's fair to say that a majority of consumers just don't understand the complexity of the current healthcare system. You're talking about getting the the audit call from the payer asking, why did you run that lipid panel again? You know, that kind of thing. And the funny thing is, I don't think most consumers even really care. They know it's complex, but they don't want to understand it. They just want a better experience. They want fewer barriers to them actually living healthier and that's such a big difference in my mind. The fact that the consumers don't really care. They just want that better experience. They mainly care about the experience. I mean, that's their big thing, but they also care about the cost. And especially we have small business owners who are not able to afford to provide health insurance for their employees, traditional health insurance. But if they can go in have these on a monthly membership or an annual membership in the competitive labor market. That's something that can distinguish them as an employer of choice. Well, I really like that they're looking at all the facets here. It feels like in terms of what leads up to an affordable experience that is call what it is, you know, more convenient or more accessible, all the terms we hear all the time in the industry, but this really does feel like it's an example of those things. Do you see more clinics like this happening? Are you seeing growth already with just the work? It's only been a few months. I mean, the clinics, the clinics just opened up in this case. What are patients telling you about like either what they like or don't like? And, and do you see that growth continuing over the, say, the next like year or two? I surely do. I mean, we started February 1st and we had at that point, we had 125 uh, founding members that had signed up, you know, in advance as we had sort of done the evangelism one-on-one and in really small groups. Now we've been open since February 1st and almost two months into it, we're up to about 270 members. That's pretty significant growth that, that we're seeing. We do see direct primary care as something that's, that is a very 
much of a growing trend. 12 years ago, I was leading the social media revolution. And now there's another revolution that started for direct primary care. And I wouldn't say I'm leading it. I'd say I'm joining it. Something that has been brewing, you know, for quite some time. But I think there will be a lot of different models and that people will put together different packages. Some of the direct primary care models have a a relatively lower sort of retainer fee and then a per visit kind of approach. And then they'll, they'll try to do something with the labs, but you're still paying per lab, you know, for each one that you have. We're taking a little different approach where it's a little bit of a higher membership, but it's pretty comprehensive. And the idea is that it provides most of the care that you need for most of your life. If you need to go to the emergency department, if you need cancer care, you need surgery. That's the kind of stuff that uh, Dr. Strobel and his clinic can't do. But there's a lot that primary care can do. And he really wants to take a you know expansive view of what is possible through primary care. Well, I love even being able to, to ponder that question of what is possible here with direct primary care. Because part of me says there are things that this new care model can learn from traditional providers and care models you know, incumbent health systems, for instance, and then there are things that those health systems can learn from how consumers and patients are reacting to this type of care. Because I see your posts on LinkedIn and and there are things that draw me in because you're explaining some of those differences. You're walking people through, here's what people typically say about a healthcare encounter with a provider. And here's what we hope we're doing to change some of those things. So what are some of those key messages that you hope to get out there about either the clinic, the exact way that you're doing things or direct primary care in general? Yeah, well, so I'm not that worried about selling direct primary care in general because like that's it's beyond my my pay grade or my beyond my job description. I'm I'm interested in having people explore this as an option for sure. I mean, I'm really focused on helping this particular instance of it be successful. And what we're finding that people really appreciate is the fact that they can just have a conversation with their provider, with their doctor. In this case, Dr. Strobel hopes to be able to add perhaps a nurse practitioner in the near future. But artificial intelligence is artificial. (laughs) You know, it's not, it doesn't feel as genuine and real. And some of the tools of AI and, and machine learning, all that can be applied, can be helpful. But at the same time, if they become like, you have to talk to a chat bot or you have to go through the phone tree thing that is trying to understand your voice and, and you end up yelling at a machine because, <laughs> because it's, uh, it's not getting what you're meaning. And like, I found myself in some other, in, not in healthcare, but in, you know, some other instances, I find myself raising my voice when I'm talking to a machine and that's, that's kind of crazy. So we want to, again, use the technology to make those, make those human interactions more genuine, create more space for those human interactions so that then people can feel empowered, feel much more empowered to do something about their health and that they have the tools that enable them to do it, as well as then the expert guidance of an experienced uh, physician or other provider. So on the flip side of that, what could be some of the challenges involved in growing adoption of what you guys are doing? What could keep consumers from from pursuing this type of care? Is it just not understanding it? Or are there are there other barriers that are kind of put up that, that you're working through right now? Yeah, you know, so a couple of them. The first is just the difference in understanding is that this is a different model. You're used to saying, well, I pay when I go to the doctor or, you know, why would I pay a membership for this? When people think like I have a golf membership. Okay, we have a membership of the YMCA, 
you know, this membership model is something that as people understand it better and understand that it's a more economical way of getting most of their care, that that's something that we're finding increasingly appealing. And and it's word of mouth has been huge for us. I mean, people have had an experience here and then talk to family and friends and, and recommend it. I'd say the other part is just that it's the majority of care that most people are going to need, but you still do need to have the catastrophic coverage, you know, the ability to cover if you do get in a car accident or if you need specialty care, you know, that's where we have to help and be creative in finding people access to resources to care that we're not able to offer in a, in a primary care clinic. What I would just say, though, is that a lot of people misunderstand what primary care can do. So we've had some people who say, well, I have to see a dermatologist every year for my skin check because I had a melanoma. And as Dr. Dave says, he can do a really great skin check and probably just as well as as a dermatologist could. That's something that can be done in primary care. It doesn't have to be part of the specialty care. But if they find something, then yes, refer you to a dermatologist to have that uh, review. So I guess part of that is helping consumers understand the options, how this plays in and what part of the relationship it can be for them and, and what things it's not meant to replace or substitute for. Like you're saying, this isn't meant to cover all specialty care and, and everything there, but right. maybe it can be a bridge for some of the things that ultimately makes it more likely that you're going to seek that care that you might need. Right. Yeah, I think the other part is just recognizing that, and this is a little bit of the personal story with my wife, Lisa, and me, recognizing that metabolic syndrome is behind most of the most deadly and feared conditions and diseases. So half of, uh, you know, having metabolic syndrome, so there are five elements of metabolic syndrome. It's high triglycerides, high blood pressure, high blood glucose, low HDL cholesterol, that's the so-called good cholesterol, and then central obesity, abdominal obesity. For men, it's a waist of more than 40 inches measured to the belly button. For women, it's 35 inches, I think, is the cutoff. But the idea is that if you have any three of those five, you have metabolic syndrome, and that makes you like twice as likely to have heart disease and to die from it, four to 11 times more likely to get diabetes about 40% of cancers are related to high blood sugar and metabolic syndrome. And even Alzheimer's is sometimes called type three diabetes. And so that's sort of the other angle on it that besides doing the blood tests included in the membership, the fact that we're including metabolic health coaching in an online community, which kind of relates to what I used to do, the community thing, to be able to provide support for people to take charge of their own health and to be able to make these lifestyle changes that would radically reduce their risk of many of these other diseases that are most likely to shorten their lifespan and to also make them less healthy during the time that they have. Well, anything that you'd like to share with our listeners, I guess, that we we haven't talked about yet? Well, I just say that, you know, the healthcare clinic is providing the clinical services. It's only for people in Minnesota right now, you know, people who can come here face-to-face. Healthcare, the management services organization, also the health coaching service that we have is something that's available globally. We've been doing coaching with people from around the country, as well as, you know, it's something that we offer to the patients that are part of, you know, part of healthcare clinic. So what I really just stress is that people have a lot more ability through lifestyle changes to affect their health than what medications can do. 
Medications are necessary in many cases and, and they're helpful, but they mainly manage symptoms. And if you can take some steps to improve your overall metabolic health, you can maybe not need as many medications, which also then reduces the, the healthcare costs. But more importantly, it, it helps you to have a, a healthier life and more energy and just the ability to be there for the long term for the people that you love. What a great way to wrap this. Thanks so much for giving us so much to think about today. What's the best way for listeners to connect with you and learn more about the clinic? They can go to healthcare.health. So it's H-E-L-P-C-A-R-E.health. That's uh, probably the, the quickest way. Lee at healthcare.health is my email or just uh, Lee A-C-L-E on Twitter or connect with me on LinkedIn and be glad to, to interact. Perfect. Well, thanks again, Lee. Stay safe and best of luck in everything you've got going on here. Can't wait to hear more about it. Thanks, Jared. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk about it. Hey, thanks again for listening. We hope you found some value in this conversation. And if you did, do us a favor and follow us using your favorite podcast app. Then tell your friends and colleagues about us. If you like what you heard, please spread the word. Healthcare App is a member of the Shift.Health Content Network. If you enjoyed this podcast, you're going to love the other shows in the Shift.Health Content Network. Go check out the latest show. In fact, it's called Hello Healthcare, hosted by Chris Hemphill. It's focused on people who are moving healthcare forward, how healthcare strategy relates to data and AI, and what you can do to create or demand a better future. Subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform or at shift.health, where all 35 podcasts and video series are free and available on demand. Until next time, keep marketing forward. Thanks, and that's a wrap. Thank you.